Thank you for downloading this episode of the Football Purist Podcast. For more episodes, go to www.footballpurist.com and you can also find us at iTunes. Meu povo peixe, atenção, na rua daqui eu te fiz Quero mostrar a quem vem, aquilo que o povo diz Posso falar, pois eu sei, eu tive som, transformei Quando almoço, não janto, e quando canto é assim The Vian Beard Boys return to preview match day 10 of the Premier League Five teams sit within one point at the top of the table right now We're here to help you sift through the madness um, I was going to say we had the regulars on this week, but actually we've had a last-minute substitution. Sean here with me in San Francisco, but coming up from the championship for the real deal, Matt Hintz will be joining us this week. Matt, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm hoping to be a uh, 90th-minute super sub for you guys, so well, hopefully I can uh, pull it in the top corner. Maybe we'll just hope for you to come on and like steady the ship, you know, that kind of thing, versus score the, <laughs> score the winner. <laughs> I can shirt up in the back. That's fine, too. Yeah. And Sean, you seem uh, relatively fired up tonight, as fired up as I ever see you. As always. <laughs> ready to go. Ready to, ready to knock some heads together, as always. Yeah. Um, so typically at the beginning of the podcast, we start with <clears throat> one plus, one minus from last week's matches. But I did want to do a quick discussion. There have been a couple articles posted on the Football Pierce, uh, Football Pierce website this week related to ticket prices in the Premier League. Um one was titled The Price is Right, which was written by um, TalkOn's Brian Painter. And then we had a couple written on um, whether the price is wrong. Um, and they were kind of written by me, but co-authored by a couple people from the Van Buren Boys. So I did want to kind of open it up um, to talk about ticket prices for a couple of minutes before we previewed uh, this week's Premier League matches. Uh, Matt, I did want to start with you. What were your kind of initial impressions? Um, you kind of grew up in North Carolina like I did, but then moved to New York where it's kind of a higher cost market. Did you have any impressions on ticket prices? Any any initial thoughts on that? Well, I, I kind of, ever since moving to New York, have been just rubbed the wrong way uh, by ticket prices. Um, you know, New York being such a big market and big teams, they just, they set their prices through the roof. Uh, and a, a good example I had is, you know, my parents were in town uh, sometime last year and we were trying to figure out something to do, and we thought it'd be fun to go see a Knicks game. We've all never been, and it's at you know, famed Madison Square Garden, and we thought it would be a fun activity. We look at the ticket prices on the website, uh, see that they're in town, they're playing the Sacramento Kings, who then themselves are no spectacular site. <laughs> I, um, I can confirm. Yep. Um, and we looked, and ticket prices were starting at, I think, $130, $130 each, for the second to last row in the arena, yeah. uh, in the corners. So total crap seats, um, but gouged because there's people in Manhattan who are both willing and able to pay extraordinary, extraordinary amount of money to go see them play. So it's it's just it's just tough because I I, I feel like you know I, I identify well that was as a New Yorker and a Southerner, um, but. You know, it's tough to get that identity because one of the things you need to check off your list is to to see a game at Madison Square Garden, um, and it's just it's just tough to do when cheapest tickets constantly fall in one hundred and fifty to two hundred dollar range. Yeah, but so one thing that I wanted to talk about though is Sean. You know, Arsenal are among have among the highest prices in the Premier League, but do you think it's necessary for them to have prices that high to be competitive? I know we joked in our 
Premier League team preview that Arsenal was, quote, the business club. I know you like really laughed at that a lot, which I, I think it's funny as well. But is it necessary to have prices that high to be competitive in, in the current landscape? I don't think ticket prices matter for business. The way marketing goes and the way endorsements go these days, you know, you're selling out your stadium every game and getting that ticket revenue is just not what it was 100 years ago. So that's my answer to that. Yeah. What about you, Matt? What do you think? Uh, yeah, I agree with Sean there. I mean, if you look at, you know, in, across England with the, the new TV deal that the Premier League struck and, and here in the States, you know, the revenue that is coming in from these uh, these TV and, and rights deals are, are just, you know, outrageous. I mean, it's good for the sports because they're popular and people want to watch them. But, um, you know, teams are making the majority of their revenues from that source of income. Um, and so if you're looking at ticket prices, you know, it's not like they're giving away tickets for free. They're still, they're still selling them. But, you know, the difference between a profitability of, of Arsenal versus another club it's not going to come down to how expensive their tickets are. It's going to come down to how well they manage their players and stuff. So, so I think you don't need necessarily high tickets to be competitive. Um, and that's, that's kind of, you know, my thought. I guess there's a difference between, you know, it's one thing to sell tickets for 30, 30 pounds, 40 pounds a seat versus, you know, five pounds, but, you know, selling seats for 300 pounds per ticket for something that's, you know, might not be worth that high. You're just getting marginal benefits there. Yeah, it's a small drip in the bucket, but I think it I think it impacts the fans, and that's my that's my biggest argument against it. No, I think that's a really compelling argument is the fact that if it's such a small drop in the bucket for the overall club revenue, it makes such a huge difference to the actual supporters. So when you look at it from that perspective, it does really reek of greed in a way, right? I mean, that's what we're talking about here. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, it's forgotten and not really known ignored in the it's ignored in american sports but for example the nfl the new yorker did an article on them maybe i want to say in 2010 it's impossible for an nfl team to lose money they could not charge for seats at all they could have an 0 16 record every year and because of the revenue sharing and the tv deals the team will make money and that's forgotten out of all this and that's you know that should be considered yeah, well, and I think, you know, the other thing that we've talked about a lot in the, in the articles that has been discussed online is the relationship between the high ticket prices and the fading atmosphere. And what I can say is, as an American growing up in American sports, and I mentioned this in part two of our The Price is Wrong series, was talking about that in the United States, I feel like the only place where you kind of get that sort of um, sports as religious experience or like extreme atmosphere type situation is in the college game. And what's unique about college sports is that the students, of course, get in at a discounted rate, right? I, in my opinion, you know, going down to Santa Clara here for a 49ers game, atmosphere is almost extinct in American sports, in American professional sports. I mean, it, it almost doesn't exist. Um, yeah, and it, yeah. Comes, it comes down to utility. And normally utility is discussed as it's across the board, the same for every person that's why everyone perceives that the market sets the prices for these things but really utility comes down to a whole range of factors one of the largest being the person's income and another one being how they value the experience and there's some people who will 
pay a ton for the experience and there's some people who won't and everyone draws a line differently and there's real there's no set answer for the right way to do it yeah. sure. uh, Matt, yeah. do, do you think that premier league atmospheres are headed the way of american sports um i we of course you know hope, I we do. hope not right i mean that's yeah the, yeah yeah yeah, we we hope not. Uh, I mean, it's you know I've been lucky enough to attend a few Premier League matches, and um, one of my most memorable was one at Fulham, um, and the atmosphere there was you know it was it was fantastic. You know, the tickets weren't too expensive. Um, I mean, I, I guess this kind of goes against kind of the common grain because I was a foreigner coming in and buying a ticket just temporarily, not not a local coming to the match. Um, but we were playing a big club. Uh, sorry, Sean, but it was a game against Arsenal. Uh, <laughs> and we, we scored in, in stoppage time to win. Um, and the place erupted. Um, and I feel like you might lose a bit of that natural you know, passion and love and, and support. You know, if you're kind of if you're kind of opening up the doors at some of these bigger clubs, like, for example, like a Liverpool, if you have someone coming in not knowing anything about the team and it's just there because they know Anfield is a, is a, is a wonderful stadium or this team had history. Like, Oh, it'd be cool to cool to kind of see that. Well, they're not leading the cheers. You know, they're, they're kind of trying to follow along with the crowd. And if you turn too much of the crowd into followers, then, you know, who's there to pick up the noise levels, who's there to do the things that they're supposed to do to, to get the place rocking and, and what and do what actually made it special. Yeah, and I, I do want to clarify really quickly for, for listeners. I don't think any of us are saying that the clubs should forbid foreigners from attending the matches or not do it. I, I'm a firm believer in a tiered pricing structure where you have tickets offered for cheap and then you have tickets offered, you know, at, at more expensive prices. I don't think anyone's against that. I think I think oh, what it's about is is about making it reasonable, right? So and 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 realizing that um, there are certain people, um, and I think it's young people for whom the traditions are, are have been passed down in the past, who will ultimately lead the charge in generating a, an atmosphere for the for the stadium, and for whom are part of the local community and, and ultimately hold the mantle for the, the values of the club. Um, those people need to be, be prioritized. That's not to say that people can't come and tour the atmosphere. Um, you know, Dortmund has come out very strongly and said that they would they love it when people come and, and tour the atmosphere because they become lifelong fans. That's really important. But if it's all people like that, there's nothing to leave with, you, you know, and, and, and yeah. what we wrote in our article was that it'll be a really sad day when these Premier League clubs are 100 percent people visiting to witness the atmosphere, zero percent people there to make it. Right. And I think that that's that's the concern. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and like you said, you know, you are fostering fans for life. And so the best opportunity to do that is, to, you know, not not target young people, but, you know, make it available for, for youths in the community to be able to come to the matches with their families, to come with their friends and and and, you know, get that love and attachment for the club at a young age so that they can they can follow the club through through the rest of their lives. Yeah, it's just about cultural identity in, in a way. Yeah, well, the, in the tiered pricing system, the value of some of the people who are going to come for a one-off or the utility for people who are going to come for just a one-off game because they're visiting and they'll, they'll pay anything for it is created by the atmosphere in the stadium. Chasey pointed it out exactly. You know, you don't get 
the chance, you don't get the camaraderie, you don't get it if you don't have a core base of fans who it's not where the utility's wiped out for them. Yeah, definitely. Well, it's an interesting debate. You know, we've published part one and part two of our The Price is Wrong um, series. We'll publish part three later in the week, which talks about fan ownership of the clubs. It's a shame we don't have more time this week because I think it's a really fascinating issue, but we do need to step down off our soapbox now and uh, preview <laughs> this week's uh, Premier League matches. Um, as usual, we've got four matches we think you should be watching uh, this week weekend, um, and one match we think that you should not be watching and should instead be watching Seinfeld. Um, the first big match on the calendar that we think you should be watching, Chelsea versus Southampton. Um, for a team with a manager in trouble, Chelsea looked the business against United last week. Any takeaways, Sean, from you, Chelsea's spanking of United last weekend? I still think Conte is a world-class coach who's going to drill those guys into a decent season. Yeah. John or Matt, do you think that this is a, a one-off performance to stick it to Mourinho, or do you think that they're gonna they're gonna kind of push on from this? Uh, I think it was a one-off performance in terms of uh, the intensity shown, uh, especially from Hazard there. Uh, you know, we, you could kind of see it as a trend similar to last year's game when they played Tottenham, um, and that was kind of the you know Spurs needed to win in order to still have a chance for the title, and and Hazard came out and said in the press like, you know, not on my watch essentially, and, and play the game of his life. And you saw that against Mourinho. Um, him just trying to prove him wrong and show Mourinho how great of a player he is. Uh, and he did that. Um, you know, I think longer term in the season, they're going to continue to to win. Um, I don't know about how many four or five nil spankings they have left. <laughs> um, but, uh, Especially under an Italian yeah, for, manager. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Um but yeah, no. For the most part, I think I think they're kind of starting to come into their own there. So it'll it'll be a real real interesting chase for the cup here. What a thing it was though to watch Mourinho so sad on the sidelines. He kind of gave it to Conte after the match was over too. He like yelled in his ear about something. I don't think we confirmed what that was really about. I guess it was about him pumping up the crowd while they were already up four 0 Yeah, the Italian press reported that uh, Mourinho was pissed that Conte was trying to get the crowd into the game a little bit more. Well, he's got to. It's Chelsea. They don't. They don't. They don't, they don't, they don't well, do anything. Yeah. Conte had a great answer. Well, Conte's answer was, "Well, the United fans are cheering, so I want to get the Chelsea fans to cheer." And I think it's just more sour grapes from Mourinho. He, when he's winning, everything's great. When he's losing, it's the world against me. He's a whiny. Yeah. He's a whiny jackass. <laughs> well, the, the world is truly against him now because he's living in a apparently a hotel in Manchester without his family. He makes this sound like a real sob story. It, you almost want to feel bad for him if you didn't know it was him. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> I have trouble feeling yeah, he, bad for him as well. Yeah, he, he really knows how to play the sympathy card. <laughs> the problem is he's just played that card way too many times in the past it's for anyone. World's smallest, world's smallest violin for, for Mourinho. <laughs> exactly. You know, there's being bested and accepting being bested and just walking away, but Mourinho never does that. He always, I don't know, attacks and cries and whines and bitches about everyone else but himself yeah well so but going back to chelsea if you guys were chelsea fans i know shuddering at the thought right would you be concerned (laughs) that azard seems to kind of play when he wants in a way right i mean he he had a great season back i think it was 2015 but he seems to kind of show up for the matches that he personally cares about and then sometimes he has a tendency to take things easy right yeah yeah, I, I, 
who knows? It's professional athletes, managers, it's hard to put it all together sometimes. I don't I can't even comprehend some of what goes on. <laughs> I just hate Azard. I, I couldn't I don't even know if I could root for him if he played for Liverpool. He's just such a such a dick. Yeah. It's it's all about himself. Um I don't know, maybe something the club can do is just pull him into a room before every match and and put together like fake documents that say like <laughs> Can you believe what these guys said about you? They say your shit. Do you believe that? And then just get them all riled up to go have the game of his life. Well, that's what I, I imagine. Kind of that's what Mourinho does every week. You know, with his players, is he brings it back and he brings some fake press articles that he wrote himself. You know, about his own players or quotes that he, he said. <laughs> he, because he doesn't do that right before the game. That's all throughout the week. He's just walking around. <laughs> hey, uh, your shit. And then he just continues on. And then. Uh, <laughs> That's just the training regiment. <laughs> yeah. So Chelsea are visiting Southampton, um, who drew City last weekend. Um, they really could have won that game. They looked really, really good. Um, I think that they're coming into um, their own as a side. Quinn's not here to give the set of the week, but I will instead. Southampton have had 51 points during 2016 calendar year. That's two more than Manchester City, which is impressive. Solid stat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well done, Jess. Thank you. I appreciate it. You know, someone has to sub in for Quinn, so I, I, I figured I'd step in. Wake up, Quinn. Wherever <laughs> you are. <laughs> um, perform. Yeah. Any thoughts on what's kind of driving Southampton's success this year? Other than, you know, we talked a little bit about, a little bit about Van Dyke last week and Hoiberg. So I think it's Hoiberg. I figured, figured it out. Well, I don't know. Yeah. Matt, you were not on last week. Any thoughts on Southampton's success up to this point? You know, I just think they have a... Uh... They're one of those few clubs that always seem to have the ability to to pull together strong squad mentality, uh, regardless of the, the the fluctuations of the team. Because uh, you know we see how much they sell, we see how much um, you know how how often their youth program and, and players are kind of scouted and picked. Um, but they always they always seem to, to to manage to come together and and put the right pieces in the right spots, you know, at the right time. Um, and I think that's just a continuation of that. Um, and, you know, you know, hats off to the manager as well, um, being able to kind of keep momentum the game going instead of, you know, winning one and, and drawing the next three or winning one and losing one. Um, he's kind of been able to, to get them to play consistency. So uh, hats off to him as well. Yeah, they give hope to championship uh, fans everywhere because they came out of the championship <laughs> and now they're... Is that what you think, exactly. Matt? Maybe we, could be, maybe we could be Southampton one day? I, I look up to them with with bright blue eyes and, and just <laughs> just see the radiation that comes off them. It, it's 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 wonderful and it's it's happening at Fulham. I'm telling you. <laughs> where are, where is just you know we're not going to get a full scale championship update this week, but where is Fulham these days? Are they still kind of languishing mid table? Are they a team? <laughs> go, go ahead, John. Are they a team still? <laughs> uh, they are a team. They have uh, they have not folded. Um, despite my occasional wishes, um, <laughs> put you out of your misery. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Just, just, just let me go on. Um, no, they're still they're mid table. Um, they're now officially closer to the bottom than they are at the top. Um, it's been a it's been a rough stretch of wins. Um, you know, I'm looking at the the BBC tables online, and they do a wonderful job of showing. Green, red, and gray for wins, <laughs> losses, and draws, respectively. Uh, and there's a whole lot of gray and red in there. So, <laughs> yeah. hopefully, hoping for a Christmas miracle and lots of green in the upcoming season, uh, next few months. But, you know, 
I'll probably be providing you guys updates next year from the championship as well. <laughs> or from League One, either way. Um, or from League One, yeah. <laughs> so Chelsea visits Southampton, as said. Let's get predictions. Sean, you got a prediction for us? I'm going to go nil-nil. Oh, okay. Any red cards? No. Costa seems to be all right for a while now. Just a stalemate? Yeah, stalemate. Any, any magic from your boy David Luiz? Uh, no. He, he should have gotten a red card last game. He should have had a red card a couple times over the last few weeks, but apparently, whatever. It's a rough and tumble league in the Premier League, and no one cares. <laughs> That's um, the one thing. I want to bring Quinn on again to talk about how I wonder if the three-center-back system actually suits David Luiz more than playing as a two-center-back system. Matt, mm-hmm. any predictions from you? What about you? Any goals from your boy David Luiz? I know he's your boy, too. Uh, he, he is my boy. We I've actually have three that. big David Luiz fans on the line tonight. This is like <laughs> okay. David Luiz fan club here. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, it's it is. I just love watching his mop run all over the field and <laughs> and uh, either make a, a stupid, horrible tackle or uh, crushing a forty-yard wonder goal. So, um, but I don't, I don't see any goals in the future for him this week. Uh, I'm actually going to go upset alert. We can call it an upset and say one-nil Southampton. Okay. Um, I just think maybe you know too much of an emotional win. Um, if Hazard starts, he might digress back into the I don't really care um, kind of style. Um, and I'm going to give Shane Long the goal. Okay. Nice. I know you love Shane Long. Who doesn't? <laughs> He's an Irish <laughs> hero. He is. <laughs> um, I am going to say 3-2 Chelsea. Kind of a high, higher scoring match. Matt, I don't know if you remember this, but uh, when Southampton beat Chelsea last year, we watched it in Barcelona. I think Chelsea's going to want to get revenge for that. That was that was quite the game. Uh, I feel still feel bad for your girlfriend, but, but she, she she handled that sports trip like a real champ. Fiance, fiance now. Uh, fiance, that's true. Get your At the time, straight. girlfriend, but current fiance. Yes, exactly. Okay. <laughs> um, all right, that's the first game we think you should be watching. Second one, West Ham head to Merseyside to take on Everton. Um, two teams heading in completely different directions right now. Everton winless in five, including their big loss to Burnley last week. West Ham have won two on the bounce since the break and actually beat Chelsea today in the League Cup. Um, who has more to lose here? West Ham in terms of momentum or Everton sinking further into this dumpster fire of a run that they've had here? I think they're both going to finish mid-table. We're just seeing them. <laughs> each of them's going to meet in the middle, and we're just seeing them sliding on the scale towards mediocrity. It sounds but about not right. relegation. If only. I would love both of these teams to get relegated, honestly. I don't care. Actually, though, if Everton got relegated, I'd be really sad about that. Because then they wouldn't go to play Liverpool every year. Yeah. Lose. Who would they? <laughs> I'd be so sad. Yeah. Our good friend Jeremy Hatchin is a big West Ham fan. Um, and Matt, remember when they got relegated? That was like one of the greatest years ever of our lives. Yeah, yeah, no, it was crazy that happened. That the team just folded, and they didn't exist for the whole next year. Yeah. Uh, and then they, it popped back up. So that was that was impressive. We, we talked about switched off and doesn't don't look like they're playing that well. Ross Barkley has regressed from the future English midfielder, <laughs> all around genius to just too many touches. What the hell are you doing out there? So I have this in my notes. I'm really glad you brought this up. Um, I have Ross Barkley dot 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 traditional Everton things question mark because I feel like he is such a traditional like the hype is so real so intense 
And now he doesn't even feel like it doesn't even feel like he should be in the side, right? I mean, he's sucked. This yeah, year. he shouldn't be playing. Matt's a lover yeah, of he... all things traditionally English, so I wonder if he feels differently about Ross. <laughs> oh, Barkley. you mean disasters? Like Wayne, disa- like Wayne Rooney, <laughs> turning disasters into not disasters. <laughs> we were discussing the Charge of the Light Brigade today, which was on the twenty fifth of October, eighteen fifty four. I digress. Go ahead, Matt. <laughs> we'll save the history for later. Yeah. Matt. <laughs> <laughs> but I digress. Yeah. Yeah, no. Uh, you know, I like your analogy for, for him as uh, quintessential uh, Everton there. Um, you know, I, I guess it's a question of, you know, did he stick around Everton too long? Uh, because, you know, you, you see Stones got his opportunity to be the next wonder child and, and get out of there for uh, a buttload of money. Um, you know, same with Rooney, and we've seen what he's turned out to be. You know, albeit to be fair to the man, uh, he did have some, you know, high highlights uh, as part of his uh, career. Um, <laughs> but you know, Barkley stayed at Everton, and now he's kind of been, uh, you know, dare I say, exposed. So we'll see if he can turn things around this season and kind of try and get himself back on track. Whether it's a lack of focus or um, you know, being you know, discouraged or, or, or whatever it may be. Um, I, just, I just don't know where he fits in, you know, because he's not good enough to play in a midfield two defensively, right? And then as yeah. an attacking midfielder, he's very wasteful and he doesn't want to press. So I, I don't understand in a side managed by Kilman, I don't understand where he fits in. I don't think he does. I think that's the problem, right? Yeah, yeah, and that's going to be a challenge for him. But I mean, uh, luckily for him, he's still only 22. Yeah, um, so But actually, looking at it with someone with uh, um, 22 caps for England, uh, you know, he, he seems to be uh, too good to drop, uh, or so you say. You know, there's too much hype surrounding him. But I think he does need to take that step back and, and realize that he's still 22. There's still room for improvement. He still can work on his game and try and you know, work and training to, to improve, be someone who can either hold the ball more or not give it away as recklessly as he has been. All right. Football's boring. Everton sucks. West Ham, you suck too. What's the history, <laughs> historic moment for this game? Okay, the, the historic moment is football-related. 1980, Everton plays West Ham in the FA Cup semifinal. West Ham are in the second division, and they go on to win the FA Cup. This was the last time that a second division team had won the FA Cup up until only a couple years ago. Um, First leg, 1-1 after extra time. West Ham win 2-1 in the replay. Game winner scored by none other than Frank Lampard. Frank Lampard Jr.'s father. All right. Did you say uh, Scott Parker? <laughs> I was I was gonna guess Scott Parker. He's been in that long. He's ageless. The so, ace. He he was at the midpoint of his career in the eighties. <laughs> True. Um, I did want to mention one thing on West Ham, Sean. I know you were eager to get to the history, which is understandable. I thought it was pretty good. Um, Payette was on the Ballon d'Or shortlist. Yeah. Who cares? Above Ozil and Coutinho. He's not gonna win it. Utiel's underrated. Payet had a flashy year. Coutinho's underrated, but also overrated. It's always <laughs> it's gonna be down to the Ronaldo and Messi. Suarez should probably get it because he had a good year, but who cares? All right, you heard it here first. 
Coutinho is overrated and also underrated. Yeah. Somehow he's both. I don't understand. That, those lists are nonsense. <laughs> there's no... It's, it's the same players every It's year. all perception. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Jamie Vardy was on it, though, this year. So good for him. Who is more worthy, though? Never mind. Um, we'll move on from that. <laughs> Prediction. West Ham travel to Merseyside. Sean? Don't care. Not even going to watch it. Wow, our number two most watchable game. You're not even gonna tune in. Nope. Harsh, harsh. <laughs> Matt, prediction? I think I think Everton gets back on track with this one. You know, um, you know, you you asked earlier who had more to lose, and I think Everton do, because yeah. uh, West Ham's kind of accepted their fate. If you look at all their fan sites to fire their manager, um, <laughs> uh, so I think Everton at home will go two nil, uh, and just because the poor lad. Uh, I'll give Barkley a goal. Why not? Maybe. Wow, Something. big prediction. All right, I'm probably gonna, deflection. Yeah, I'm gonna go 1-0 West Ham, and I'm gonna go fans boo at full time. Okay, at Goodison, which doesn't seem <laughs> too bold of a prediction to be honest. Match three. <laughs> Match three. We think you should be watching Leicester visit White Hart Lane. Uh, two teams who vied for the title last year before Spurs fell off a cliff <laughs> with uh, five games to go and did their true. Showed their true Adele-ridden selves. Um, not enough, I don't think, is made of that collapse. We talked about it a lot in the preseason, but I think it got pushed under the rug by the by the English media. Um, Leicester looked great last weekend. Um, 3-1 against Crystal Palace. But Jamie Vardy was on the bench. Once again, we go to Matt as our lover of all things traditionally English, of which I think Jamie Vardy is firmly in that category. Your thoughts? 100%. Um <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I guess this is maybe a, uh, you know, a, a team trying to kind of maybe reset their uh, hot shot forward because uh, he's definitely the type of player that, that feeds well off his own confidence because uh, you could see it in stretches of last year where he would just kick a ball and it would go in regardless of where he was on the field because he knew that if he shot, he could score. Um, so I think their rough start to the season has kind of brought him back down to earth. And so this might have just been a way – for uh, uh, Renari to um, to try and try and give him a little rest, motivate. let him think about it, motivate him, um, and we'll see if their continued success in their Champions League matches will give them uh, some more more confidence going forward here in the league. Yeah. So at this point in the season, Leicester had the same amount of Premier League wins as Champions League wins, three for both, um, which is amazing. Sean, what odds do you assign to Leicester winning the Champions League and also getting relegated? Mm, that's a long shot. Gambling expert. 200 to 1. Really? That low? I'm yeah. surprised. Yeah, I don't I know so. if I'd take that bet for less than like 500 to 1, actually. Okay. Matt? Yeah. Yeah, I, I just think it's... Uh... You look at just how terrible some of the other teams have been. <laughs> uh, Leicester would have to purposely just score on themselves to, to have a shot of relegation here at this yeah. point. I actually think uh, at this point it, it seems more likely for them to win the Champions League than to get I don't relegated. Think they don't get close to winning the Champions League. But which one do you think is more likely? They get relegated. Really? Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. That's kind Someone's of a- thinking the magic has run out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the season could go anywhere for them. Yeah. Speaking of season that could go anywhere for them, Spurs. Suzuko nearly killed someone on the on the touchline yesterday yeah. or on Saturday, but it went completely uncalled. Well, that's the rough and tumble Premier League. 
<laughs> you guys saw the replay, though. I mean, he literally could have killed that guy. <laughs> Debatable. I don't care. Sean's yeah. cool with it. I don't care. I mean, maybe if it, maybe if that kind of stuff happens in Syria, maybe then you raise a fuss, right? Yeah, I'd be upset. Yeah. <laughs> Sean, do you have a celebrity throwdown for us? Lester versus Tottenham. I am. Don't want to throw up Adele because that's the obvious one. Yep. So I might have a bit of a straw man for Tottenham, but I'm afraid I want to see where we we land on this. Okay. Apparently, yeah. Tom Hanks is a professed Leicester City fan. Really? We're, we're gonna toss him up against Jude Law. Ooh. But what is that? What is, yeah. What is that? Um... Forrest Gump versus Vasily Saitsev. Where do you <laughs> land on this one? That's what I'm gonna ask, right? Because, I mean, for all intensive purposes, right? Tom Hanks is the better actor. True. I mean, no doubt. But Jude Law is the more beautiful, is, is the more Jude beautiful Law. man. It's Jude Law. You know. It's Jude Law. Yeah. So, well, if you're running on attractiveness, yeah, I guess. That's what I'm wondering, right? Is are we talking about acting or Since looks or just overall man? I'll give it to Jude Law because I take it he's a true Tottenham fan and would stick by him no matter what. And Tom Hanks probably just said something about Lester and someone picked it up one day. Yeah, that seems right well, to me. Well, didn't, didn't Tom Hanks win a bet off Lester? Didn't he did. He, he yeah. won a bunch of money, yeah. Yeah. He so just, he, he had to at least believe in them when before they were uh you know one went away or two wins away no bleep has nothing to do with it he's just a shrewd gambler i've been in plenty of bars cheering i was thinking i was cheering for the for sean livingston to have like 10 rebounds and 10 assists one game and someone goes yeah it's good to see warriors fans here i was like no no i i care about assists and rebounds yeah it's almost as obscure as like betting on fulham or something you know, yeah like the championship game like, <laughs> I was watching a Capitals Penguins game once, and we were cheering for the Capitals to score because we'd pick that we'd bet a prop bet that they'd, they'd score two goals in ten minutes or something. And some guy from DC goes, "Yeah, Capitals fans. No, we're we're money fans. The odds were right. We're fans, rich. I don't care what happens. You know what's funny? Uh, getting back to the Jude Law versus Tom Hanks debate because I think this is super compelling. Um, is I watched Enemy at the Gates today. <laughs> um, I don't Long know if you guys work. know this, but I am currently in between jobs, and um, I have a lot of time in my hands. And when I'm not playing Battlefield One, <laughs> which is which is uncommon, um, I have been catching up on my World War One and World War Two history. So I watched Enemy of the Gates, not as good as I remember it. No, that's a terrible movie. <laughs> oh, that's that's heresy. <laughs> that's that movie is heresy, always as good friend. as you remember it. <laughs> it's a bad movie. Why do the Russians have English accents? It's just bizarre. <laughs> because the English well, were there. That's why. Exactly. This, is, this is always yeah. a problem. Have you seen uh, Hunt for Red October? <laughs> Sean Connery is the Russian submarine commander. Not only the Russian submarine commander, <laughs> Captain Ramis, their best submarine commander. The best. The and best. And he, he talked with his Highland accent. <laughs> He's also in, God, what's that movie? The Untouchables as a Chicago cop. Because that's the Irish, or that's the Chicago way. (laughs) That's not how they speak in Chicago, Sean. Yeah. Well, Arshan, I want to give you a a golf clap for a wonderful celebrity throwdown because this is one of the (laughs) best ones we've had so far. But I want to make sure that we're getting the final tally. Sean, where are you? Tom Hanks or Jude Law? Jude Law. Matt? Uh, I'm going to go Jude Law as well. I'm going to go Jude Law. It's unanimous Jude Law. Oh, wow. Um, Sweet. 
Though I do want to point out uh, quickly, um, I just looked up both actors on their IMD pages to see what they're known for, according to however IMDb ranks them. Uh, so just for the record, our uh, runner-up is known for Forrest Gump, Saving Private Ryan, The Green Mile, and The Da Vinci Code, uh, while Jude Law is known for Sherlock Holmes 1, Sherlock Holmes 2, <laughs> Spy, an enemy at the gates. <laughs> All right. Well, it only takes one good one. Yeah. Enemy at the gates. <laughs> I, I'd su- say at least two and a half, three good ones there. <laughs> I'm surprised that they didn't list the holiday as what Jude Law is known for. One of the shittiest movies ever made. <laughs> How is Jude Law Luckily. famous? What has he done? Dude, bite your tongue. Genuinely. Jude Law is a treasure. Um, so, <laughs> predictions for this week's game. Ooh, you know what? Oh my gosh, here we go. <laughs> They faced off in Road to Perdition. Jude Law was wow. the hitman chasing great, down Tom Hanks. Great find, yes. To Perdition, and Jude Law wins that battle by sh- killing Tom Hanks in that movie. Sorry. Okay. It's unanimous. It. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> Spoiler. <laughs> and I thought Jude Law was all right in that movie. That was actually a good, underrated movie. Definitely. Okay. Well, we have it in, we have it in writing now. Or audio. Well, in writing, in terms of the script, Jude okay. Law kills Tom Hanks in the end. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> Prediction, uh, Matt, Spurs, uh, getting a visit from Lester? Yeah, I'll, con- I'll continue on with Spurs. Uh, you know, still undefeated on the year. So, um, I'll give them... Is, uh, is Kane back yet, or is he still is he still at injury? should be back. He'll be back. Okay, well, then I'll, I'll go from 2-0 to 4-0 uh, with Kane getting a brace. I know what you're, a, I know what that you're one's, doing. That one's you, I know what you're doing, but that's that's fine. Okay, Sean? Kane's back. He's fit. 4-0 Tottenham. You guys are dicks. Genuinely. <laughs> Kane puts up four. <laughs> two assists from Erickson. And the other two are penalties. Alright, I have written down in my notes 3-1 Spurs. I'm going to go 1-0 Leicester. Harry Kane doesn't score at all. Oh, he doesn't even guns. get close to the... Doesn't even get close to the goal because I'm tired of you guys jinxing him on the podcast. All right, fourth game that we think you should watch: uh, Bournemouth playing against Middlesbrough. Middlesbrough continue to fly very close to the ground, uh, but they look better against Arsenal. And I can confirm that at Kazar Pub last weekend, Sean rooted for Middlesbrough. That is in fact, correct. he shouted a lot of nasty things about Arsenal in the pub. That is correct. I can't remember some of them, and some of them are not worthy of this podcast, so I'm not going to repeat them. Um, so, Negredo forgot how to finish. If he had known how to find the goal, they would have definitely won that game. Yeah, Czech really saved him. Yeah, definitely. Um, when we were going to have Quinn on the podcast, we were going to ask him about Adama Traore. Um, he's only 20. He was fantastic. The thing that I talked to Quinn about about this, because he gave me some of his thoughts, was um, it sounds like Traore kind of gives them some of the pace that they – have been missing. Um, Stuart Downing obviously is not as fast as he was as a, as a young lad when he was being uh, pumped up at that pub you traveled to when you were a young boy, Sean. Um, and Hurricane Gaston isn't exactly known as the the flight the, the fleetiest of foot. So I think he gives them some speed that they otherwise don't really have in their team. Yeah, isn't he a Barcelona? UK he is. as well. He is. Yep. Apparently he's good. Yeah. I don't know. He's gonna. I think that this is a big turn for them in the Premier League. Maybe, maybe, maybe if they get a win against Eddie Howe's Bournemouth, 
Maybe they come up with something. Yeah, you know, Bournemouth flying high. What's the opinion on Bournemouth right now? I think that they just look really good. I think that they're like well organized. Quinn talked last week about the fact that they don't have many injuries right now. They just seem to be set up solidly. I think that's the thing with Eddie Howe, right? Is you know that they're going to be set up to give themselves a chance, even though they don't have the best players. And I think that's a very English thing, right? We, our theme for this week should be things traditional English people really are into. I think Bournemouth is firmly in that category, right? Yeah, I guess turning mediocrity into something that to is celebrate yeah yeah matt your thoughts <laughs> i yeah, mean that's uh, my take on it <laughs> i was yeah i was gonna say that i mean they're they're perfectly uh three three and three for nine points here so they're uh literally on the uh apex of the bell curve there um <laughs> so perfectly mediocre um but they have they have had you know the past four results have been great results for them you know wins at uh, everton um, and a thrashing at Hull, and draws against, you know, will be a Wofford, um, and then Spurs. So I think, like you guys said, they're just they're just putting themselves in a position to to get results. They're not making mistakes, um, and so that's that's you know the quickest way to lose a match is to, is to continuously make mistakes. So as long as they can keep that up, they should be uh, should be doing all right. Any predictions, <laughs> Sean? Uh, Wilshire sucks. <laughs> <laughs> gonna be their dumpster fire and oh. I think uh... <laughs> I was so certain you were gonna say Wilshire scores <laughs> no. although scores and sucks can start you know they both oh, start they with together, for sure, <laughs> yes. sure. alright Wilshire sucks uh, he fouls Middlesbrough into a win okay Matt my gosh, uh, Sean's gone off the rails. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I like this. I like this, Sean. So I'll ask him a question. Uh, in the battle of Wilshire versus Callum Chambers, uh, who comes out on top there? Oh God, that's a competition for who's the dumpster fire. <laughs> I don't even think Callum Chambers sees the field, so I guess Chambers, because <laughs> he's not yeah. going to make a mistake. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um. Yeah, no, uh, I honestly have no idea. So I'll give uh, I'll give Middlesbrough the edge um, and give uh, I'll say down and get the hat trick for you, Chase. Okay, oh, wow. I appreciate that. Come, pick. Thumbs off makes it a little makes a little heart sign of the camera just for you. Yeah. yeah. All right. I think Riverside's gonna be rocking. I got two one Borough, uh, downing with a goal and an assist. Um, last thing, the match that you shouldn't be watching, which I think is great, Manchester United against Burnley. I think you should not be <laughs> tuning in unless you're really into comedy. Um, United is imploding at the, at the moment. We had so many quotes from Red Cafe we wanted to bring on, but on the interest of time, we will, uh, we will, we will not mention those. Oh, Quinn right. was in charge of what Seinfeld we should watch. So I don't know if we want to crowdsource this or something about just intense psychological failure. Wow, there's so many episodes of George. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Just yeah. The episode that plays heavily on George. <laughs> Actually, I was... I think, uh, I was... I think... No, no, I've got it. I've got it. Are you ready? Right. Yeah. The one okay. where George gets conned into thinking he's going to sleep with that woman, but oh, she ends yeah. up stealing all the stuff. <laughs> I feel like that's so perfect. Yeah, that's Because 
United thought this was going to be so beautiful, and then all their stuff just got stolen <laughs> in the end. Chained to a bed. Chained to a bed with all their stuff stolen. <laughs> and they have to walk into the coffee shop at the end of the episodes uh, and, ask for spare and ask for the spare keys to the apartment. Exactly. Um, <laughs> so that's the one match we think you should not be watching. <laughs> Do you guys um, think uh, Mourinho even gets to the stadium this weekend with all those uh, reporters and journalists on the bridge not letting him pass? <laughs> Yeah, he doesn't make it. Yeah. He has to coach from his from, from his car. The rumor from, his, I, from his hotel room. The rumor I read is that he just delegates to his assistants and then goes sits in his goes and sits in his office and just drinks heavily. Yeah, and the players are upset because they want more hands on coaching. That's the problem is the players the players don't realize that hands on coaching from him is just beatings on the field. <laughs> With a blackjack. Exactly. Um that's the Van Buren Boys for this week. Let's jump ourselves on Twitter really quickly. You can find us at, at Van Buren Boys FP. Matt, do you have any plans for live tweeting this weekend? Any games you think are uh, you're going to live tweet? Um, you know, there's a chance of this uh, number one on the list, Southampton versus Chelsea. Okay. Um, but I do have a crowded schedule this weekend, so I think it might be a uh, I might have to wait until until future weekend. All right. I keep the fans. Keep the fans wanting some more. Yeah, Matt's got that heavy social calendar. I get it. Yeah. Um, if you're interested in our takes on British culture and history and politics, which Sean's given plenty this week <laughs> on this week's podcast, also visit our uh, our new upcoming blog, The Dispatch Box, at The Dispatch Box. Um, that's Van Buren Boys out. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>